Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Goza, founder of HerbertGoza.com. And today we are focused on, I think there's a fun and fascinating question here, and we get asked <laughs> a lot, is what does it take to grow your language or tutoring company post-COVID? So what does it take? Yeah. Looking into that crystal ball. And, and Herb and I were talking about this topic because, you know, we speak to a lot of language schools, a lot of tutoring businesses on a daily basis. And it's, you know, everyone's looking at that crystal ball, particularly with so much uncertainty. And, and one of the reasons we felt that we can, um, help explore this topic, uh, for our audience listening in is, you know, uh, for a couple of reasons, and I'll start with my own, and then I think certainly you'll be interested to know why um, Herbert has a lot of experience in this as well. Uh, but I run a, a company called LearnCube. We specialize in helping online language and tutoring businesses grow with our virtual classroom and online school solution. And as you can imagine, um, we are incredibly exposed to particularly a lot of physical language schools and a lot of physical tutoring companies having to re reimagine their entire future um, in this time. And I think it's really important that they do. And, and I think you'll, when you listen into this conversation, you'll, you'll understand why. Um, and, and Herbert, tell, tell, the, tell, tell the listeners here your experience as well. I, I think it's really relevant. Absolutely. Well, we, oh, I, I run an advertising agency specialized in language schools and education companies. And we run their paid ad campaigns for them to promote their uh, in-person and online language courses. So, yeah, I, I talk to language school owners and, and marketers every day, uh, not only about you know, Facebook ads, Google ads, but, uh, you know, what does the future hold? And LearnCube being uh, the virtual learning platform it is, I think you're, you're already part of that future because I've, I've had a lot of uh, schools ask me, oh, you know, what's the best virtual learning platform to use? You know, uh, um, Zoom, Skype uh, are, are okay to start off with, but you know these schools are looking for something more solid, uh, more branded, more uh, professional moving forward. Um, and another thing that uh, these schools ask is, you know, what is the new normal? You know, or going back to normal, what does that look like? And is there a new normal? Uh, is there a normal now? Really. Um, we're trying to continue to innovate and look to the future rather than going back to maybe the strategies and, um, you know, what we used to do uh, pre-COVID. So, yeah, interested to hear your opinions about this as well, Alex. Yeah, I think it's a similar kind of question. Um, and I think we're exposed to it when we're talking with uh, physical language schools and tutoring companies because they're, question when they're talking to us is like ah you know i love it it's sort of you know it's got everything i want but you know when things go back to normal you know well will i will i need to to to, to kind of have made this investment will mm. i be investing too early or is, is there a reason maybe why i should just sort of stick with with what i'm already doing and, right. I, and I think this conversation is going to be quite helpful because um, the opposite is also true right we've got people that are like oh wow this is such a once in a generation opportunity um, people are just resting on their laurels. They're, they're sleeping at the wheel here. Um, I'm going to capture as much market share as I can 
um, and mm-hmm. think really innovatively about this and, and really treat it as an opportunity. I think there's some really big differences in how people view exactly the same conditions in the same environment. Absolutely. And one of the things I was going to ask you on, Herbert, was particularly because you don't have just um, an understanding of marketing with language schools, but you actually work for physical language schools. You've got a very intimate understanding of this industry. So tell me about what was the strategy before COVID-19 as almost a reference point? Yes, I mean, uh, physical language schools, so brick and mortar language schools uh, in cities and in, in towns, you know, they were all about expanding, having more bums on seats, which kind of meant uh, renting out more space or yeah. uh, taking up a new floor in a building or even opening up another uh, school within the same city. You know, I've, I've, I've heard and seen and seen about those schools. Obviously, that's, that's not happening, that happening now. Um, and also just in the industry, there was a lot of consolidation happening. So either um, market leaders uh, acquiring um, smaller language schools um, or just uh, you know, language schools really gunning to become the market leader in, in their niche. So, I mean, there was a lot of competition back then, as there is now in this yeah. uh, kind of new digital landscape. But it was a bit bit different. Yeah, and I, and I think in the tutoring um, side of things, from from uh, look, I, I'm not going to pretend like I, I I'm an expert in physical tutoring organisations, um, but we do know a lot through our online tutoring exposure. But but what what seems to be quite true is that in the tutoring side of things, unlike the language uh, physical language um, sector, it was definitely a, a faster growing part of that segment. There there was a kind of a, a sense of moving away from just only if your kid absolutely needs tutoring do we do we bring in a tutor to being something that actually seemed quite aspirational. I think mm-hmm. a lot of particularly um, countries in Asia which had quite privatized education systems already saw phenomenal growth growth in the online tutoring sector in particular, but in tutoring in general. Um, countries like the States were already seeing huge increases in, in demands for, for tutoring. So that whole sector was just growing and, and rising. Uh, and, and I guess along with that tide, uh, uh, raising, all, raising all boats, as they say. Um, but it did seem like the big thing was to go franchise. It's like, okay, mm. once you've got it once, rather than trying to get really large tutoring locations like it's not like one location the idea is to have lots and lots and lots of different locations and kind of grow almost like a geographical spread rather than um in physical language schools where you often want to consolidate in one particular location so there's a bit of a difference there in terms of the pre-covid strategies but uh, what i thought was really fascinating when we were talking about this before herbert was just you know what's the strategy post-covid so right. It's all very well looking at the past, but literally the past is is the past. It is no longer. Mm. It's it's partially helpful in terms of a guide and indicator, uh, but it's the future that we're all trying to get to and, and trying to be a meaningful part of that future. So, uh, I mean, some really obvious things in the language learning space, uh, Herbert. What were the summer? Uh, some of the ones that that we were talking about was how real estate. Is is gone from being this um, 
you know, you want more real estate and you, you know, you look to try and really maximize as many people as you can in a single space. Prime location, etc. Exactly. And now that's become a liability. It's a really <laughs> and, big liability. Mm, and it's expensive, mm. right? Because that becomes like a massive overhead that eats away whatever capital you had left over. Um, and bums and seats is a, is a pretty hard thing to do when your number one marketing channel was actually agents. Um, so that's a big change. It, it may not be forever, and, and I kind of want to acknowledge those that might be listening that agents agents definitely have a place for certain types of businesses. Um, but right now, a lot of language schools have had to massively change their strategy to how can we directly engage with our potential prospects? How can we directly market to those? Uh, what is what's your kind of feeling on this? Uh, Herbert, and you've got some great examples as well of that, <laughs> exactly that that kind of terminal Absolutely. switch. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, some of my clients uh, have gone from in-person to having three locations in one city to being 100% online, and they're not looking back. They're, they're not going to open another location, like, like go back to in-person classes. Um yeah, they've they've uh, take, made, made made that decision, and I know that's a huge decision to make. That uh, you know the future is online. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's up to them if if they if they really uh, feel. And of course, every language school is different. Whether or not you can sustain that business online uh, for destination schools, obviously that's um, that's not going to be possible. But, uh, yeah, I just thought that that was an amazing brash move uh, from being an in-person brick-and-mortar language school for 10 years to, to all of a sudden closing, closing all three locations and going online. But uh, they, have, they did it quickly, and they have prospered um, because they were quick to move, and they really saw the value in going direct-to-consumer, and investing in social media marketing um, and growing their online presence. Uh, it does seem like um, one of the major reasons why there has to be such a big switch is this idea of, particularly since, uh, particularly in the language sector, and we're going to look at tutoring slightly differently, but in the language sector, selling a destination was a very common mm. you know, strategy, right? Is find the destination sell that dream of that destination. Um, but it's it's difficult to, to play out that strategy at the moment. What are the main reasons why it's hard to keep that strategy going at the moment, Herbert? Well, just because uh, people are still hesitant to travel. I mean, uh, countries are opening back up. Summer's looking pretty okay, uh, at least here in Europe. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, when selling a destination, you really rely on a much more persuasive selling process. Uh, it's basically like a, a tour, tourism advert, and you know, people get hooked on the location before the school. But when you don't have a location, then you know you have to kind of adjust your marketing strategy. And you know, are you? Do you have the the best native teachers out there? Uh, do you have uh, an interesting method that is, or or approach that is better to acquire uh, language skills? So, uh, at least in this time of travel restrictions and lockdowns, uh, a lot of these des destination schools have had to, 
yeah, really flip their marketing message. Yeah, because they've really um, it's been much harder to. Yeah, for example, agents are incredibly important when you're selling something that really requires to be sold, uh, particularly oh, yeah. you know, maybe not for like a really well-known destination, um, but in, in that case, sometimes it's more around the competition, you know, trying to trying to trying to find the right agents to be able to get those kinds of people. Mm. But if you've got a destination that's kind of unusual, that can make things quite difficult. I think you've got a great example of that. Do you want to actually take us through that, actually, Herbert? Sure. I mean, I <laughs> have a client with a with a language school in Provo in Utah, which is a very small uh, town. And, of course, they're competing with these big language schools in Miami, in New York, in Los Angeles. And... How, how, how are you supposed to compete against those flashy destinations that just pump, uh, you know, millions into their tourism campaigns? And, you know, people love, you know, the American dream, so to say, of going to Miami or LA or New York and having that experience. Um, so, you know, s- smaller schools in maybe not so well uh, known locations have to uh, use a different approach and maybe really go niche on their their target audience, which this particular school did. Yeah, but I mean, even the the ones that are in Miami, right? They they're kind of, I think they would they would have had to adjust as well. It wouldn't be about destinations um, because mm. people can't get to those large cities, and maybe mm. some people see cities as being uh, less safe, maybe than than non. So I think there's a mm. whole bunch of moving moving goalposts. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, I mean, destination schools will really need to have a lot of savings to be able to wait this out, which is, I think, the big part. I mean, the big part of this question that we're trying to answer today is, like, what does it take to build a successful language or tutoring company? And let's call it the modern age. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer is you, you can't wait for things to go back because they're not. No. And you can't wait for them to, to – to, you can't wait to go back because – that the whole landscape is changing, um, and if you're static, you're going to get um, get kind of caught up in a bit of an earthquake there. Um, but let's let's look at some other parts of the language sector that sure. could be you might have had different systems and maybe in a different position to be able to wait it out and and ride that out. What do you what are your thoughts on starting with um, like local language schools? Right. I mean, you know, again, in those lockdowns, they they had to be resourceful and try and seek out new opportunities. And most local language schools that I spoke to uh, or you know, have dealt with, obviously, going online has been a not so bad thing because they've been able to expand their reach or uh, and go into new markets. Um, but they've also had to innovate with releasing or creating different products, perhaps a self-learning course. I know one school that uh, created a learning app um, for their students, just really gaining any type of competitive advantage uh, because in the online space, again, it's a quite level playing field where you're competing against worldwide companies. Yeah, I think so. For me, there's just no downside of innovation. Like, what could mm. what could what could be the worst that would happen with innovation? I mean, I guess failure. But you learn from right. failure. You become sure. a strong organization. You attract different people. 
you know, sometimes you get rid of people that uh, don't want to don't want to invite, and 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 you actually draw new ideas, and it's fun. Like it just it's the whole purpose of you know, in some ways, a lot of writers just to exactly. to try and learn and grow. If you're not doing that, it, it does seem like a, a strange thing, and particularly to expect that the rest of the world won't grow and change and adapt over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the other aspects that's really important is this idea of market share. So if you're doing nothing, then you really are losing market share. There's, there's oh, not going to be a, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that if you, mm. if you do nothing, if you, if you don't innovate, or even sometimes if you just close up shop like a, you know, a bit of a tortoise and kind of hope that you can poke your head out again in the future. Yeah. Just wait it out. Mm. It's going to be a different landscape completely. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we're already seeing that with the online language schools. I mean, this is kind of an area that I'm, I'm a lot more um, attuned to. I mean, we definitely saw all of our customers that already had, uh, you know, our product as the, the online school already there. Uh, they were just leaps and bounds ahead of the competition. They, they, they already had three months of the competition before the, the online yeah. you know, competition had figured out which which platform to even think of. Exactly. So Minimum. already, just in that small amount of time, you had major changes in market share. And those that had really already thought about online were just leaps and bounds ahead. And so that was one aspect was just on market share. But that assumes that the market was the same size. And in fact, online has has really exploded, right? Particularly because people were forced. And yeah, sure, that balloon might reduce a little bit, but that still it's still market share particularly in the local language school like if you've been teaching people in a, in a local area you know even when things go back to normal you've already got a relationship you've already got things happening um mm. all, all those people that might have been online that now can go in person well they're going to go to you anyway because you've you've already got that relationship it's not like an old relationship this could be a new relationship but it's the most it's the the, the freshest one it's the one that's most present if you've done a good job there. So um, I think certainly from what we've seen in the online language spaces, those that already had kind of a platform, they really revved up. Um, they were already ready for it. They they captured market share. And even with more competition, they were just so far ahead of the competition because they already mm-hmm. had those. Um, they had no baggage. They had their website mm-hmm. set up. I mean, Herbert, you know this. I mean, from a marketing perspective, what did you see? Well, those online language schools already knew how to acquire students online. They were already uh, investing in paid advertising. They had their social media up to scratch. Uh, and for those physical language schools, that was a that was a difficult transition, um, especially those that yeah relied on on agents in in the past and didn't really have to do a lot online to to market to direct to consumer uh that was a a tough transition um yeah. i mean what we also saw was the same actually also with tutoring so we've talked about language education but also in tutoring we had, we saw very similar things so local tutoring agencies you know you can wait it out if you like but the whole landscape is totally changing and we're also seeing probably even more so that, but you know, a lot of people are doing particularly tutoring online and, and loving it. Particularly like a one-on-one online tutoring experience is fantastic. It's really yeah. engaging. You've got fantastic tools now that you can really use to engage your your students. 
Um, you've got ways to automate certain things. You can enrich things with just a tap of a button. All of this, all these resources right on, on your fingertips. So there's a lot of reasons why people actually find this experience kind of just works. Um, and, and the longer we're in the situation, the more entrenched those new behaviors become. So I don't think the demand is likely to let up. Um, I, I mean, yes, it'll go down from 100% to, to various fractions, um, you know, as, as things do go back to a, a different, a different level. But, uh, you know, the overall online demand is, is absolutely there. Um, and we're, we're already seeing as well, like one, one other thing that we, we can't forget is also there's just huge money being thrown into the online oh, education yes. space. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, we saw Lingoda just not not I think the other month, you know, raising fifty eight million euro um, yeah. to promote their online language um, service. You'd go student and and tutoring space, and both both of those in the German speaking world, but they raised seventy million euro. Now, that th- those euros are going to go particularly to marketing, which means like most of the euros, yeah, they're going to be massively pushing online tutoring or online language education. So this is not going to people are not going to forget about it. They can't. <laughs> it's going to be pushed at them from every angle, from all of these large players and all of this extra funding that's going into this space. So uh, pretty interesting to kind of watch, and, and that's kind of why. You know, even if you try to play the game of, ah, oh, can I, you know, things will go back to normal in three months. Things will go back to normal in six months, 12 months, three years, 10 years. Really? Like, you're going to see differences. Like, yeah, in the next three months, like, you know, we're both in Europe here, Herbert. You know, summer, yeah, likely, likelihood is that travel restrictions will, will reduce. Actually, I actually imagine, and, and you've seen this on your side, haven't you, Herbert, that demand is picking up now. For absolutely, um, for example, some summer school in the UK, we're getting bookings from all of Europe. Um, you know, people want to travel. People want to get out of the house, out of the country, and uh, you know, experience and make the most of summer. Summer. So, so I think those things we would, you know, I don't think there would be a dispute. And I think hopefully we're all optimistic that, you know, vaccines will improve things from a travel perspective. But let's be quite honest that they still won't be at the same peak levels and the same mm. level of ease and the same level quite a of while. no hesitation. Mm. Like this is going to be a different, there's going to be hesitations for a long time to come that it'll take a little while before things go back to, to that sort of peak demand. But the thing that we really thought, wasn't it, Herbert, was, what happens if you wait? What happens if you like just close your doors and wait for things to go back to normal and such? What happens? Uh, I, I hope no one's doing that because when you open up shop, then you'll be confronted with a completely new landscape, a, a different world, uh, and you'll be so much on the back foot that it, it's going to take a lot of time, money, and effort to catch up. Uh, and I don't know if you can if you can do that um, with things changing so rapidly even now. So um, you, you've really got to be on the on the dial of what's happening in, in the space, yeah. how your uh, potential students are um, researching, consuming content, uh, and and go with that trend. Um, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, a lot of businesses' momentum as well. So if you're out, 
like all of the, you know, let's say that you, you're a physical language school relying on agents and like, look, I'll just wait it out. And then when things are back to normal, I'll just go back to the agents and I'll start sending me students again. Mm. Are you really going to be at the top of their list? No. <laughs> are even the agents that you were using even, you know, are they still going to be in business? Like if they think like you and, and we're waiting it out too, maybe they'll come back. But where are all their students? Like where are all those networks? All of those networks have changed. Um, during that time, a lot of their competitors would have gained market share. And then same with yourselves. Like if, if you've done nothing, then all of the other companies have really already now built new relationships with potentially your loyal customers or your loyal partners. So that makes it very hard for you to it's sort of being flat footed. You know, when someone's someone's running and you're starting from scratch, it's very hard to kind of catch up. So. Right now, it, even if it's painful, the, that adjustment will be totally healthy over the long run. Like, think about where things are going to be at in three to ten years. It, you know, if you don't want to play the, you know, what's it going to be like in six or twelve? Yeah. Like, three years is going to be different, and it's going to be more digital. Um, mm. And it, but even if it's not, it's going to be different marketing. It's going to be a different strategy. Uh, so that's yeah. the one thing that we we know is that it's it's not going to be the same as it was. And I think. From 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 what I've seen, there's been a lot of a lot of older owners that have just hoped that they could just sort of you know either get bought out by one of the market leaders or just milk it until yeah until you retire and then you can just close up and then you, you know, no problem. Mm. But that's accelerated all that to like you know that might have been a ten year time frame is now no longer there. That's it's it's really fundamentally changed, particularly in terms of the competitive landscape. So it's been fun, uh, Herbert. It sounds a little bit scary, but uh, Fascinating if, we, if we go back to our original question, it's like, what does it take to grow your language and tutoring company post-COVID? If I was to kind of say what it, what that looked like, it was constantly looking to adapt and looking for opportunity yeah. rather than threat. Um, exactly. Trying to innovate rather mm -hmm. than trying to hide. Trying to experiment with new things even if they don't work. Um, rather than try and just hold and, and just hope for the best. Uh, what, what's yeah. any, any wise wise words <sighs> before we finish up? I mean, in, in terms of marketing, embracing uh, new channels, online channels, new platforms, uh, testing them out, experimenting with them. Uh, and, yeah, it's, you have to test that, and it's going to cost you money, but... Uh, you have to find the right formula for your school, uh, your uh, education business online, because uh, even if things go back to normal, um, you know, there's no escaping uh, on online uh, marketing. That's it. It's definitely no, no rewind switch. Um, it's definitely <laughs> looking towards the future. And if you're a little bit unsure, um, please check out our other episodes on the Get Get More Students podcast. Uh, we also have a lot of resources also on the LearnCube YouTube channel. We have um, great playlists that are just focused on online marketing tips. Herbert and I have been doing this for for quite a long time and have a lot of your answers either in one format or another. So definitely know that there are some resources to help if you're feeling a little bit unsure. But, but really, the goal of this podcast, the Get More Students podcast, is to give you insights, inspiration, and motivation for your language school and tutoring organization. And in this episode, we uh, we really looked at what it's what it's going to take to grow your language 
an online tutoring company post-COVID. And I really hope that we answer that today. Um, but for now, um, please subscribe to our Get, Get More Students podcast. Uh, hit that button. And we look forward to helping you out again in the future. Catch you next time.